Welcome to Game On, presented by No Tokens Required. I'm your host, Chris, and with me is... Caleb. And today we are talking about Assassin's Creed, developed by Ubisoft Montreal, published by Ubisoft. And I'm going to go ahead and just start and say that I was super stoked for this game when I saw that it was coming out. I really liked the idea of taking a more stealthy, assassin-like approach to the... Prince of Persia style games, right? Yeah. Prince of Persia yeah. was lots of jumping around, lots of sword fighting, but this was But more... it was definitely more head-on than this game is. Yeah. Or at least the first one of these games is, because we're going to be doing the whole franchise, of course, not in this one podcast, because no. that would be like eight hours long. Yep. But you will see the other games come across. But yeah, it, it Prince of Persia, which was also developed by this team, this was actually supposed to be a Prince of Persia game. They uh, they went about it with a different way, and I, I did like it, um, but I didn't even know it was coming out. I never even heard of it. It no? was released for like six months before one of my buddies was like, dude, you have to play this game. You know? Yeah. I and... thought it was a great idea. I had never really been into stealth games, but I was excited to use this as kind of my break-in point. I, I liked stealth games. Like, you had, like, Splinter Cell and those kind of games and everything like that. Uh, uh, Metal Gear Solid definitely had a major stealth component to it and everything. But I felt like this one was not just a stealth game because you could go all balls out. Like, yeah, yeah the point was to stealthily assassin them. But if you botched that, it was like, okay, well, I'm going to pull out my sword and I'm going to fight my way out of this mess. And Right, yeah. That was something that I felt that stealth games hadn't really been looking at was what happens when the stealth fails, right? What if through your actions or whatever, something happens and the stealth thing is messed up? What, what can you rely back on? Do I have to run away? But no, this game was like, here's a sword. Now you can fight people. And granted the sword mechanics weren't Mm -hmm. the best, right? It was basically just wait for them to attack, press a button, push a button to attack, (laughs) rinse, repeat. Yeah. And that's going to be a theme throughout this game. Well, and to your point though, like this is where it did diverge because in other stealth games, a lot of times it wasn't as simple as, oh, well, I just get to run away. It was mission failure. Yeah. Start over. Way to go. You know? And this one, you were right. Like, hey, no, you... You have to fight. Like, I remember the first time I failed one of these things, I was like, oh, man, now i got to start this whole thing over again. And then I'm I'm getting hit by a soldier. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> You're like, oh, I can kill guys and r- then I can run away. Like, it's not just that instant game over. It's not leaving you in the sense of dread that, you know, you do have options. Like you're saying, yeah, you can run in and fight if the mission allows you to do so. Yeah. And I just thought that was a really cool concept of you can sneak, then go on the offensive, go back to being more defensive and stealthy, and you can kind of swap in and out based on the scenario you're presented with. Yeah, yeah. And of course, it, it's it's a video game. So like, you know, here I am in this completely 100% unique outfit, mm-hmm. right? Surrounded by all these people who are dressed entirely different, but I'm going to stand in this crowd and all these guards who know what I look like are just going to be like, where do you go? Where do you go? Yeah, I, and gi- I give you that. <laughs> it, was, it was like, okay, well, you know, it's right. fun, but... It's still a game. Well, and then... At the time period, right? Because mm-hmm. this game was released in November of 2007, right? So that's that's 13 years ago, 14 years ago. Yeah, yeah. coming up on 13 at time of recording. Yeah, coming up on 13. This was still some groundbreaking stuff, right? Oh. Like, you, you made a comment about the, the combat system. Back then, I thought this combat system was fucking amazing. Yeah. Like, now I look back on it and I'm like, oh my god, that oh, was garbage. So basic. <laughs> But back then, it was 
this is fluid. Like, you had counterattacks, mm-hmm. which was not something that I was used to in this type of style. Third person, open world with quotation marks. Yeah. Because this game definitely, it, it set the stage. But for me, by no means did I really enjoy it. Like, I got so bored yeah. so quickly with it. Like, that initial excitement was like, oh my god, this is awesome. I'm I'm jumping buildings and parkour. Hardcore parkour. <laughs> right? right? Like, and, and for that mechanic to be in a game, that was, and, and it was a little clunky, but even then, it was, it was better than a lot of the other ones that were out where it was like, hey, why am I not jumping up this wall? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, because I have to be in this specific spot right here yeah in order for this to work that still had the thing this this game still had that right but it wasn't as bad right instead of looking for a button prompt or something it was just you can move into a free running mode by holding down the button and that is what enabled you to jump on crates jump up to the top of a roof you could keep running climb jump, up walls yeah jump up to jump to the next roof run up a short wall climb on top of that jump from my favorite thing was always the beams jumping from beam to beam i don't know like the beam hopping yeah, yeah, yeah that something was about that was just so cool <laughs> and so fun it really gave cuz again right prince of persia you did. You were very mobile, but it didn't have that fun factor. No, because you know? it was very button prompt. It yeah. was. It was very linear. In this is the way you need to go. This one definitely did. Like, hey, I'm running straight. Nope, I'm gonna duck right, and I still have all these options to jump from mm-hmm. rooftop to rooftop to swing off of this cord. I may be confusing some of these games as far as what the possibilities were, but. Because definitely the parkour system has evolved. It crazily developed. But yeah, um, going back to that Prince of Persia one, right? The the ones that stand out for me was if there was a pole in the center of the room, I knew to kite all the enemies around it and then jump on that and do the super head choppy move. Or if there was a guy behind me, run yeah. at a wall, jump up and do the backflip. Those are the two <laughs> moves I remember from Prince of Persia. Yeah, yeah. This had so much more parkour to it. And that was what Well, but I don't it. feel like it had that kind of stuff. Right. right. The action combat with the parkour. It was the parkour was used to come at them, right? Mm-hmm. Get a, assess your target, assassinate them from above, right? Get to the position in which you can and escape. It wasn't necessarily used for combat in this game. And so, you know, it, I think that developed further, but I was I was kind of hoping for that. Mm-hmm. Given that like I loved the Prince of Persia games. I absolutely loved them. I thought it was a great concept. Mind you, I didn't realize that technically Prince of Persia is back from the days of like floppy disk. Oh yeah. No. Like I didn't know that at the <laughs> time. So I'm like, this is a unique storyline. <laughs> like, oh my God. Like, cause that's something that I always appreciate. Mm-hmm. But the, the big thing, even though I didn't know a whole lot about this particular time period, right, was that it was it it brought in history. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge history buff, and it it took like real historical events and added a fictitious element to it. Yeah, right. Like Altair, which is your main character. It's it's who you play. He's well, well, pretty incredible. Point of correction. Technically, you're playing Desmond Miles. No. <laughs> Technically, you're playing them both. Because, yeah, we'll get into that. 
But, you know, he didn't exist. Yeah. He's not a real person. He wasn't a real assassin that went around and, and, and assassinated these people. And as the games developed, I, I can tell you through, like, personal knowledge of some of these events, and we'll get to them in the later games, like, some of the people that you assassinate do die in history in those events during these time periods in a suspicious way. <laughs> so it's kind of like, that's really cool that they're like, hey, here's this here's this for you. It's an alternative thought process on right. history. Right. Yeah. I loved the concept because again, it, as I was just saying, I love unique storylines. I love it when it brings something new to the table. And this game really did do that. A big reason why I didn't care for it too much was because of the monotony. Mm-hmm. You did the same thing over and over and over and over. And mind you, in 2007, I was early 20s, late late teens, kind of like, I don't give a fuck about storyline. I just want to kill people. I just want to stab people in the neck. You know, like, <laughs> it, it was a different mindset. So I wasn't really paying too much to, like, the cutscenes and what was happening in the background at the time. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I think, I think if I would have, maybe I would have gotten drawn into the game a little bit more. But I was more about like, well, no, let me go back and explore the world. Let yeah. me let me hit all of these marks. Let me do all these missions. And because it did have a lot. There was a lot. It just it was the same thing mm-hmm. over and over and over and over. No. Again. And that I think is that that is one of my my gripes with this game is the side missions. No, yeah. not a lot of variety. And that is. That is something that they changed in later games, and they made them more... Ooh. Well, hold on. Just let me finish. <laughs> they changed it. My problem with them in this one is that I felt like they didn't really contribute that much to the overall story, and they felt very focused, meaning you go into the area, you have to go and do these three very go here, specific collect side these five wolf pelts. Well, yeah, in this one, it's... Go go and listen to these people have a conversation, or go pickpocket from this person. But in later games, those side missions that are all leading you towards your main target for assassination, yeah. those to me felt more natural and more flowing. I remember vividly thinking in this game, these side missions feel like I'm diverting from the main path just to get something. And because, like you said, there's no variety, I feel like... They just could have been... They, it was very they, monotonous. Yeah, they did better in later games, but the strength, in my opinion, of this game falters in later games. And we'll get more into that later. Really? It, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, so... Oh, that's that, that's going to be interesting, because <laughs> I, if I... If I... If what you're saying is what I... Oh, I'm thinking you're saying, <laughs> if that makes sense... We're gonna have quite a discussion. Oh yeah, I I I, I disagree a little bit it's... to a certain extent. There are some that, of course, I'm like, dude, really? Yeah, like really. And then there are others where I'm like, no, 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 no. This this game can't even touch it. But uh, with that though, overall storyline, right? In the future of 2012, which whoop, whoop. which makes me laugh. Bartender. Well, back then it was the future. That's right. That back then it was the future. <laughs> uh, so in 2012, bartender Desmond Miles is kidnapped by a company called Abstergo Industries. And he's taken to their headquarters or a base of operations 
where he meets two people, a doctor named Warren Vidic and the, his assistant, Lucy Stillman. Desmond is forced to get into this contraption called the Animus. And what I like about this at this point is that they're basing this on a science of genetic memories. So a really good example is how does a baby bird know when and where to migrate, right? When a baby bird gets old enough to fly, parents push the baby bird out of the nest, the bird flies off and is never to be seen again. That's actually really funny that you brought it up and I'll I'll, I'll bring up this later because in this game, there are actually some pretty pretty big name voice actors or just actors in general which at the time of course i didn't know and as my my gaming career developed and as you got more and more voice acting in video games Mm -hmm. they definitely did like desmond mild right he's played by nolan north throw a rock in any direction (laughs) at a video game and this guy has got to be in it in some way shape or form right he's incredible i really do like him in fact, he's he's playing. I thought this was pretty cool because I was like, "Man, that name looked really familiar." Luke, really, I know this. I know this. I know this. So I looked him up real quick before the you know before the podcast. One of his newer roles is in the Avengers video game coming <laughs> out next month. And guess who he plays? Uh, based on your chair and the smile on your face, I'm guessing it's going to be Iron Man. Iron Man. <laughs> like I'm like, oh yeah. Now, granted. A part of me is like, man, I wish it was Robert Downey. Yeah. Like, that would be cool. That would be cool. But again, it's... Nolan North is cheaper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Than Robert Downey Jr. Probably. And it's a different... It's it's just a different kind of tone and attitude that he brings to the character. And, I, you know, at the time, in 2007, right? Mm-hmm. Nolan had... He's done a bunch of stuff. He's been on TV. He's been in animation since 2001, I want to say, early 2000s, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them are little roles of side characters. And then, like, in TV, it's, like, one or two episodes. I'm in an episode of NCIS. I'm in an episode yeah. of, like, JAG. You know, like, those kind of things. But his his video game career, um, that started in 1999. Right. And literally, like, I'm looking at the list right now, dude. And he is, it's just, it goes on forever. Every year, he's got at least, I want to say 10, especially in the later years. Yeah. 10 video games that he has been voiced in. And this is literally what I mean. It may not be a major voice, right? Here's Lightning Returns, Final Fantasy 13. He's additional voices yeah so like it it may not be big time stuff but he's in a lot and the stuff that he plays a major role in like he's in a lot of the halo games he's in mafia 3 he's in marvel ultimate alliance 3 the black order he plays deadpool and rocket raccoon which both by the way in that game were my favorite characters because of the attitude and the voices behind them, like, he's really good. Well, and also, I mean, in, you know, one year after he did Assassin's Creed, he did the Prince of Persia remake, and he was the prince. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, he was in God of War, but I think probably most people know him from one of two places, right? They either know him as the charismatic, 
male Laura Croft psychopath version of Nathan Drake in the oh, Uncharted games. That's it. I knew I knew him from a much bigger game, yep. and I just could not remember mm-hmm. it. That's it right there. And then the other one is um, probably going to be uh, Destiny. He, after Peter Dinklage, after the original release of Destiny, Peter Dinklage was the voice of your little companion. Yep. The um, ghost. Uh, the ghost, yeah. And then when they redid everything... Nolan North. Nolan North Pope. And I remember that because that was kind of a big thing. A lot of people were like, wait a minute. We like the original voice of the ghost. And I got to say, I do like I do like his ghost. Mm-hmm. I, I like. I think he's, he does it a little bit better. But not that, you know, Peter did a bad job. But we digress. So. Yes. But there are some big name yeah. actors and actresses in this that voices them. And actually one of the voice actors made a comment on the game very similar to that about how it's a very interesting concept mm-hmm. diving into the genealogy and of something. You're talking uh, Kristen Bell, right? She, yeah, yeah. She does the voice for the assistant, Lucy Stillman. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and she, she she did a made a quote. Let's see if I can find it here. Basically along those same lines where it was very interesting to her. Oh, the exact quote is, it's actually really interesting to me. It's sort of based on the research that's sort of happening now about the fact that your genes might be able to hold memory. And you could argue semantics and say it's instinct, but how does a baby bird know to eat a worm as opposed to a cockroach if its parents don't show it? And... It's about the science uh, science company trying to matrix style <laughs> go into people's brains and find out an ancestor who used to be an assassin and sort of locate who that person is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so by putting Desmond Miles in the Animus, he Desmond himself and this Doctor Vidic and Lucy are able to observe him in this ancient time period where Desmond is reliving it's and I like how they do it too because because you are Desmond Miles in the animus if something goes wrong in the game and you do happen to get killed they don't call it being killed they call it desynchronization and I love the callback to again the Prince of Persia series where when you screw up as the prince he says something along the lines of like no 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 that didn't happen that way like you dying in the game is him just having a shitty memory yeah same thing in this when you die it's just because the link the link between the machine and the genetic memories gets broken not yeah. that Altair screwed up and died but that that Des- you screwed up yeah, as, that, as Desmond remembering yeah. how yeah, Desmond what is, Altair did. Yeah, Desmond's thinking of his coffee from this morning, <laughs> not about whatever Altair is doing. Coffee's good. So yeah, so um, in the Animus, reliving the story basically of of Altair, one of his ancestors, who belongs to this order called the the Assassin's Brotherhood. Is it called um, the Brotherhood at that point? I think it's just called the Assassin Order. Is it? Yeah. Because I don't think it's called Brotherhood until the later later games. Yeah, because... Nope, it is. A senior member of the Assassin's Brotherhood. My bad. Go ahead. Go ahead. I thought it was later on, but maybe maybe that's just the easiest way to explain it. But it is... Yeah, it's basically the Assassin's 
yeah, ba- their whole little united front, right? Yeah, ba- like, yeah, based on again, you know, based on actual stuff that was going on during this time of the Third Crusade. Um, and I like how when you start the game, there's you, you get this fun little message that's multicultural team, like multicultural <laughs> of various uh, faiths and beliefs, right? Because yeah. because basically, in essence, what this game is saying is that the Knights Templar, which were a real thing, were the worst people on the planet trying to control the populace. It- I wouldn't say the worst people on the planet. Well, they had a different point of view. And yeah. that, you say, well, but this is a huge theme that goes on throughout all of the games, it's right? Very true. Yeah. The assassins are fighting for freedom and free will. Mm-hmm. Where, and peace, right? Peace through freedom and free will. Yep. Where the Templars are fighting for peace through control and discipline. Yeah. And it, it's, it's the same goal. Just a different method to go about it. Yeah. And yes, they are very much, they are very much painted as we are the bad guys. Yeah. We are the bad guys. I'm probably a little bit more defensive over this because I love the Knights Templar. I love their, 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 the true life story, right? The mythos behind them. Why we have October 13th as, you know, Friday the 13th. Like how that is a, a very, very bad day. Well, that's because that was the day that a secret order was given by the Pope for all of these assassins to open up and eliminate the Templar order. And it happened to be executed on October the 13th, which was a Friday. Huh. Yeah. It's it's actually kind of funny because assassins and Templars, even in history, have a connection. Yeah. Mainly in this time period. <laughs> And that's part of what I love, though, is the historical aspect to it. Mm-hmm. But I love the Templars. I love what they were trying to do. And in a sense, they like even in actual history, they are kind of a little conniving and like, hey, we're gonna dig secret tunnels, and hey, we're gonna we're gonna hide and hoard some certain treasures, and we're gonna be rich, bitch, and you can't find us. <laughs> and the Pope was not okay with that. <laughs> but in this game. They're very much hand in hand. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you do get the feeling that the Templars in this game and the Holy Orders that is happening during the the war that's progressing because this takes place in the Third Crusade uh, during the time of the Third Crusade. But yep. the the Middle Eastern countries, Jerusalem, like yeah. I can't remember. It's been a long time since I've played this. By the way, like. And I did notice that you can actually get the remastered version of this game on the newer consoles, the PS4, the Xbox One, mm-hmm. on Windows, stuff like that. And I, I, when I saw that, I was like, ooh, maybe I should have like touched base on it again. Because you do go through certain historical popular yeah cities you, well, yeah, to, you, to assassinate your targets. You said Jerusalem, Damascus, Accra... Um, the Brotherhood's headquarters is in Masyaf, which yeah. is in Syria. And yeah, you know, and that's just really what it is. You have this group of assassins who are trying to, like you were saying, have peace through free will. You've got the Templar looking for this thing called, they call the, the, the Apple of Eden, which is said to be able to control people's minds. So the Templars want that so they can. At the beginning, though, you don't know that. You no. Know, like. Hey guys, just want to give you a heads up. From here on out, there's a ton of spoilers. Listen at your discretion. In, in the game story arc, right? You basically yeah. wake up as Desmond Miles in this white room, like 
where the hell am I? Mm-hmm. And you find out you, you've been kidnapped by Abstergo. Yeah. And they're basically telling you, hey, hey, you cooperate with us. We'll let you go. You, you, you can just walk out of here. Which, by the way, any movie, <laughs> any book, yeah. any show should tell you when a bad guy kidnaps you and then says, oh, yeah, by the way, you give us what I want and we'll let you walk. That, no. That never happens. No, that's not. It's no, never gonna come happen. on. Yeah. Like, you know, you know too much. In the beginning, they kind of, like, force him into the animus. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning of the game, even though you're playing through it and stuff, you do have a lot of issues. You desync a lot just through the natural storyline. Because it, it's not until the point where they realize Desmond has to go into it willingly. Right? Mm. He has to go into it willingly and he has to kind of open up his own mind to sync with the animus. Yeah. In order for this to truly work. Mm-hmm. And then you live through Altair, Aban La Ahad. I wasn't going to try to pronounce that. Cause if I mess that up, we apologize. So be it. <laughs> but that is the best I can do, right? But mainly, he's Altair, mm-hmm. right? Which yeah. I love Altair. I thought he was an amazing character. You do find out a lot about him and his his history and his future, right? Yeah. In other games, you you basically find out. But I like how they start the game with him screwing up an assassination, trying yeah. to get one of these pieces of Eden. Um, and that's what they refer to them as, pieces of Eden. Right. Not the apple of Eden. You find out that it's the apple of Eden closer towards the end. Toward the, the end of the game. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, because you screw it up and because uh, during that one, another assassin dies... He goes back to his mentor, and his mentor's like, Are you, he stabs you. I mean, we'll just say it. He stabs you. And yeah. then you wake up again as Altair, and he's like, well, you've been stripped of all of your equipment, and you've lost all your honor, You and now the game begins. You have nine targets you have to go kill. You're, you're basically a rookie, and you yeah. have to work your way back up. And every time you kill one of these nine people, you will get a piece of your armor, or a piece of your arsenal back, a piece of your weapons back, a piece of your armor back. A rank, stuff. basically. Yeah, whatever. You, you, you start... You start building back up your honor is mm-hmm. the way that the game basically yeah. portrays it. Because, again, their brotherhood is in Syria, mm-hmm. right? Well, in Syria, it, it, they are very honor-bound. And Altair himself is actually a Syrian assassin. So he was born there. I may, I may have misinterpreted this, but it feels like he was actually born into the brotherhood. He wasn't somebody who just went, hey, here's this like order. I, I believe them. I, I want to become a part of them. He was born and raised in this environment. And that's, that's the feeling that I got. Because there's a there's a reference that his mentor says later on in the game of basically like how I raised you type yeah. deal. It could have gone both ways. Like in the sense of like, well, I raised you since you came in here and I, I helped you get to this rank and, you know, build up all this reputation or the literal... I raised you. No, I... And, like, I took it more as the literal. Yeah, I would agree with you. I definitely felt like this is a... Like, Altair is a man who grew up in this world. And because he, he's very confident about his abilities. He's very he's arrogant. Cocky. He's very he's cocky. He's cocky as yeah. fuck. <laughs> and, yeah. So, yeah, this is just a guy who grew up doing this and he knows how to do it. But I think 
he just kind of gets a little too big for his britches. And yeah, this is where the game picks up is, you know, he's been great so far. And now he's fought. Now he's failed. He fucked up. Yeah. And he fucked up in a big way. His cockiness and arrogance. And, and you do feel it in that first mission. His cockiness and arrogance betrays him. Yeah. I, it, like it really fucks with him. And from that point, you do see not only, you know, you're rebuilding, you're learning the game. And it's a great way to learn the game. Mm-hmm. Because again, it, it's one of those as you play it goes hey do this yeah and then you do it and, it and you progress through which we've both said in the past we like that kind of style of hey here's your training right. instead of the hey we're gonna train you and then the game begins yeah i always think back to like there's like a tomb raider game that the tutorial is all in the mansion yeah and then you go play the game no yeah like you're saying i love when the tutorial is incorporated into the game yeah play but story. it doesn't it doesn't happen in that first mission. No. You are designed to fail that first mission. Yeah. Hardcore. And there's... Because I think even the assassin that you're with says something like, oh, we should leave and we shouldn't do this. And Altair's like, no, we've got this. Screws no problem. Up. Yeah. Walk out. Yeah. And then the dude dies. Which you you should have seen. He gets his orders, right? Mm-hmm. And, and he's basically, as he's going through each assassination... He's rediscovering himself along with opening up his mind. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, he's starting to actually pay attention instead of just being a blind soldier, mm-hmm. is what I felt like. No, right? I got like, that, yeah. I, as I said, I didn't pay real much attention to the storyline, but the parts that I did catch, I was kind of like, he's not just stalking this dude, he's listening to mm-hmm. this dude. He's hearing what they have to say, and he's kind of like, eh. Because you get very little information about your targets. It's... Here, just go here. This is the guy's name. Kill him. Yeah, I remember I remember one of the guys is at a party. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he throws extravagant parties. There's always lots of wine, there's always lots of people. But it's always in an open courtyard. You get those from yeah. the side missions. Yeah. Which in the game, right, there was there was only three. There's only three types of side missions. I can't remember what they were. I, I just I, I kind of remember vaguely like following people around. Yeah, there's and the I remember leaping the, off of buildings. And... I, I there's the eavesdropping one, which is exactly what it sounds like. There are two people having two people or more having a conversation. Oh, and you sit on a bench yeah. and you spend like half of your fucking day sp- sitting on benches yeah, listening, to, listening people to people talk. Yeah, <laughs> or they'll start to walk and then you have to follow them. And yeah, you run up to the roof so you can keep track with them. Or yeah, because if crowds. you tried to follow them on the ground level, they would turn around and see you, and it would be desynchronization because that's not what Altair did. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. So you had those ones. Then you had the interrogation. Ones. I don't remember much about the interrogation. Oh, that is uh, that I remember is just a lot of punching people until they talked like that is what i remember from that <laughs> it's like it it probably is there's in like, all honesty like just there's, God damn it Psh. yeah there's a guy like you'll go up to oh. a guy and then follow him behind a house and then run up to him punch him in the face a whole lot and then he spills his guts and then that's it and then yeah <laughs> you you run away and then the other one's pickpocketing 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 people <laughs> no pickpocketing because i remember you would have to like stealth right sneak up to this guy unaware and be like Boop. yep and like just I, I remember, take his stuff i remember doing a lot of 180s a lot of what the guy walking at me me walking towards the guy and then as he passed me a quick 180 pick his pocket and then another quick 180 and then walk away just keep walking <laughs> yeah. yeah i you know i don't even remember how i did most of that stuff i just remember that's that was where the monotony came in though. I, that because I you with. you couldn't it wasn't just one mission of each type 
it was like three missions or four missions of each type. And you first started off with you had to unlock the, I call them eagle points, but there is a specific name for them in the game. I don't know if you remember it, where you climb up that really tall tower. Uh, synchronization point. Synchronization point. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I the reason why I call them eagle points, and it is a it is a common thing throughout the game, is there's always an eagle circling mm-hmm. this point. Lots of bird themes. Lots of bird themes, which... I don't know why. Like it, it's, it's not something that's easily explained through the natural gameplay. Right. There's no reason why these eagles. There's. I don't remember. The only thing I remember is your mentor using like carrier pigeon. Yeah, but Every, that was common at the time. And that's it. And that's it. I don't. Other than like, that, I'm, but that's it. It doesn't explain it. But it's a theme that sticks throughout all of the games, and I don't feel like it's ever explained. No, the 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 eagles or or falcons or whatever they are they are a very prominent thing, and you actually the dive that you do off of it's also called. Uh, that's the leap of faith. Leap of faith. Yeah. So you would go up, you would synchronize with them, and then you would do the leap of faith Bing. off of it. Which, by the way, physics not real, totally impossible. Hay does not cushion your fall that much. Yeah, don't try that at home, kids. Yeah, because <laughs> we're talking. This thing is easily. 150 feet in the air. Oh, they've, yeah, like, they've done. They're incredibly tall points, and you're making this blind leap off into this tiny ass cart of hay. Yeah. As I was say, it's, this is the point where it's a, it's a video game. In later games, they actually have, you know, real structures from the real world. People have, you know, measured it to make a lifelike one to one scale. Into a tiny ass into, bale of hay. Yeah. No, no th- that will kill into you. Into, like, that's the part, bro. There are a couple, right? Like in some of the later games where you can jump into the water and stuff like that. Mm. Those are actually survivable yeah. depending on how you do it and yeah. how you land and how you like all of that stuff. But most of these, it's like, no, no, it's cool. It was super cool. Like, and it's, it's gorgeous. I will say that for 2007, the the cities that they built out because they did try to build them out to be historically accurate for the time period for all of these cities they did an incredible job on that in my mind i thought they did and they always have right. done an incredible job on the way these places look yeah i mean you look back at the graphics now and yeah obviously you're going to see that it doesn't hold up but at the time it was i mean it was amazing i just remember the begin the 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 cutscene for the trailer i mean just how amazing and real that looked and just how cool it was but yeah i think that the graphics were really good at the time obviously they're not going to hold up but it did look really good at the time and then yeah, and then that's it. That's that's your setup, and you are just now going to be Desmond in the real world in the Animus as Altair, looking for these pieces of Eden. And yeah, so basically, you have two storylines, right? Yep. You have Desmond's storyline, and you have Altair's storyline, and they are tied to each other because again, Desmond was kidnapped by Templars, mm-hmm. which he doesn't know. He he knows nothing of this. He knows nothing of assassins. He knows nothing of Templars. He knows nothing. He he was a simple bartender. Yeah. Like they, they make reference, and it may have been in one of the later games, but I think they make reference to him, Desmond, being from a cult camp or something. He knew that things were weird. 
I thought I thought he was more of an orphan. I gotta look that up because I thought he was more of an orphan. And, I I I uh, I thought I remember that he came from like a a settlement of assassins. But he yeah he ran away when he was young or something happened and he left. I don't know. This could be a dream, but I I mean I remember yeah yeah him being at least kind of knowing that his family was doing something weird, but then not wanting to be a part of it. Oh yeah no no you're right so. He was a bartender in New York. In order to hide his identity, he lives under assumed names and uses only cash to protect himself. So he knew. Okay. He, he knew. Which makes sense now, because now I'm kind of remembering, like, his dad is a okay, bigwig in the assassin order and everything. And he knows his dad. Like, he recognizes him when they finally meet up. So, yeah, now it... it you were right. I was wrong. It ain't the first time. It ain't going to be the last. <laughs> I question all this stuff. I always have to look it up. It's it's the reason why we sit here with computers and big-ass screens in front of us. Yeah. So that we can help ourselves because, you know. 13 this, years ago. <laughs> well, th- not only 13 years ago. This game, not only by the massive size that it is, there is so much mm-hmm. about it. Like, even in this first game, they, they did a lot. You know, so... As you were saying, he has nine targets that he has to assess. All right, Let, let's let's look at Altair's storyline first, right? I, right. You cool with that? Yeah, that's fine. All right. So he he fucks up. He has to restart. He has nine targets that he has to assassinate. And as he eliminates each target, he learns that each one of them is a Templar, and they are trying to locate this artifact called the Apple of Eden. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's it's a relic from basically you find out in later games called the first civilization. But at the time, it's just a long forgotten civilization. And it's supposed to basically contain godlike powers. Right. Yeah. He then like you you show up. Right. You the, the main guy who shanked your ass just what it feels like a couple of days earlier in the game goes, OK, here's this dude. This is his name. This is what he does. Go to this city and do it. Yeah. Learn about him and then find a way to assassinate him. Well, and as you learn, like, they're all kind of bad people. They're horrible. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like, I I know that one of them was a slaver. Mm -hmm. Um, One of them was a weapons merchant, but he was... He was selling them to both sides. He was one of those guys. Like, yeah, like, arms dealer. Arms dealer. Thank you. Yeah, I know. I remember um, there was like a doctor who was experimenting on sick people. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There was because where you assassinate him is in the hospital. Yep. You, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, and then I mean, and then of course you know like one of the you know the final guy is the big head honcho of the Templars. Yeah, and, and but I, I remember there was also a twist to this too, wasn't there? There is. Yeah, um, because as you go through, as I said, like there's not a whole lot to talk about as far as Altair storyline because it is very monotonous. You yeah. show up, you get your intel by doing all these other quests. There was one other thing you raced. Yeah, there and was. And I, I think that didn't serve any purpose outside of being like, hey, you raced around the city. And you're yeah, you're like collecting flags, but... I don't remember exactly if what that, it was for. If that paid off, yeah, was your target. I, I, I don't I, remember. I can't remember either. I just remember doing it. Right. You learn about them, and then you have to, you have to. And I thought this was kind of cool because they didn't put up like, oh, here's a marker of where he is. You had to figure it out, mm-hmm. and then once you figured it out, it was like, okay, yep, you are in the right spot because then basically your your mission started. Yeah. Right. 
And you would track him down and you would kind of survey the area, figure out your best way to like eliminate this fool. And so I, I, I can't remember if you actually got points on it, but it, it always felt better, at least to me, right? Like if I, if I pulled it off without alerting a single guard or baking anybody go, holy crap, that dude just killed that dude. Yeah. Like I was like, yeah. I, I, I am the shit. Because, see, I know that there are... Because, again, right? So, here's the crux of the conversation, right? The side missions. Yeah. We both agree. We're pretty much not that fun. Zero diversity. Yeah. It was the same handful of stuff over and over and over again. But what really stuck out to me, which I think was great, that they lose in every other Assassin's Creed game, in my opinion, is the actual assassination of the targets. Because you're right. You enter an area where your target is... And you have to figure out a way to get to them without being seen, either making your way through the crowd or along the rooftops, and try to assassinate them. Because you're right, if you if you screwed it up and got caught or seen, then the knights would come in, you would be a big battle, but learning... Well, but even then, the knights still chased you. At the end of well, it, yeah. right? Because the next part was... I always called it the death speech, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Because basically the world fell away and it was just you and your target and you're talking to each other. And this is where he's gathering a lot of information that kind of leads to um, the big reveal at the end, right? Mm-hmm. But that's when he's learning about the Templar Order, which is kind of like, this is why I say he was kind of awakening, right? Yeah. Because it makes you feel like, who the fuck are the Templars, right? But you know through other games, and even even in this one, mm-hmm. the Templars have been around just as long as as long as the Assassins, yeah. right? You've always had these two factions. They're, you know, two sides to the same coin, mm-hmm. right? Like, they want the same thing, but they view it in completely different ways, right? On how to achieve this. Yeah. And from that, right... You're able to gather a crap ton more information, right? That's how you're learning, like, each one of these is a Templar. They're after this this Apple of Eden. It is a relic. They always, like, you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. You know, like, you're causing the downfall of man. And, it, like, it makes you really conflicted. At least it did with me. I yeah. remember that. I remember being like... Wait, am I the good guy? Well, right, because, I like, mean, the the best bad guys are the ones that you can kind of empathize with. Let's look at Thanos. Use him as an example, right? Oh, yeah. They did really well with him in the storyline as far as that goes. I will I will tell you. Because in the comic book, you can... <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, you cannot empathize with him in the slightest, and you're like, he's bad. He's evil. He's no he's t- good. Right. But in the movies... He has a very good point, right? Over overextending ourselves as a species. Overpopulation, overpopulation is a bad thing. You know? And he, he makes sense where he says, if all I do is cut population in half, then things will be better. It's For a, for a long time. For, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a realistic and understandable idea. Now, morally, does it make sense? No. no. <laughs> but that's where he comes into it. Well, by... and, but it makes you think. It yeah. really does. And then it makes you go, well, I'm a terrible person because I can kind of see his point of view. And, like, in this, it does that, right? Because, like, there's the leader of Jerusalem, right? Like, mm-hmm. he, he, he he's basically a tyrant. Yeah. He was, he was the one that was actually based off of in this game that was actually based off of a historical figure oh yep here so he he was called maj aden 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he was based off of, and I'm probably going to mess this up super bad, guys. Baha Adin Ibn Shabadad, which was a 12th century Muslim jurist and scholar, a Kurdish historian of great note, notable for writing biography on Saladin, whom he knew well. But in the game, he's a tyrant who rules Jerusalem through fear, mm-hmm. right? And so you're like, no, dude, this guy's bad. Like, he's super bad. And then you kill him and he's talking to you like, you don't understand. We're trying to make the world a better place. This is our mission. This is our goal. This is our purpose. And sometimes, sometimes, unfortunately, you just have to do the wrong thing. Yeah, you have to and the unpopular thing. Yeah, you you just you have to make that tough sacrifice. And I didn't enjoy doing it. I didn't love doing it. I wish I didn't have to do it, but it had to be done. And you're like, "Huh." Well, look at it this way, right? Mm. Firefighters create like forest firefighters create fires to set up a block to stop a fire. It's the same kind of principle, right? Uh, you have to, you, to you a ha- certain extent. You yes. have to destroy something and you have to do something wrong, setting the forest on fire, but you do it in hep- in hope to prevent worse spread. <laughs> but it's the same it's, thing here. It's the way you go about it. Right? Well, that's, that's yeah, that's the argument. Like <laughs> at the same time, like, Let's look at one of our famous historical figures, Hitler. Yeah, I'd right? rather not. Like, he, that was his concept, mm-hmm. though, was, hey, we, I know this isn't good, and I know this is terrible, but we have to do it in order to make the world a whole, a better place. And he got a lot of people behind him with that theory. No! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it's... He's still bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and like that's part of what I had to like tell myself through this because it was kind of like, well, wait a second. And there's been a lot of times throughout all the games, all the information that I have throughout this entire storyline, throughout all of these games that they have done so far, mm-hmm. I still find myself with some of these assassinations going, man, I kind of feel bad for this dude. Like, <laughs> fuck, maybe I should have just talked to him instead of kill him. Uh, nah, I'm gonna kill. Him. Yeah, like I don't, I don't care how noble your intentions are in trying to make the world a better place. If you're conducting experiments on sick people, looking for some sort of tonic that you can use to keep the populace at bay, like that is just a messed up thing. To well, me. it is, but in all fairness. We've developed a lot of medicine and a lot of scientific practices through exactly that. Well, yeah. But, right? I, I'm just saying. But like, nowadays, right, you have you have boards that oversee this, right? You can't do certain oh, testing yeah, yeah. until certain But points. I'm just saying, like, if you look at the time period, though, that wasn't uncommon. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right, <laughs> but it wasn't uncommon. It wasn't unheard of. It wasn't out of the place. And... Again, it was the way in which he went about it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't uh, like, I'm really sorry that I'm having to do this to you, but like, your sacrifice could save millions. It was, <laughs> I'm having so much fun yeah. torturing the hell out of you. Yeah. Like, there was that sickness side of yeah. it in him. That's what made me have zero sympathy. No. Not yeah. necessarily what he was doing. But how oh, he was doing yeah. it. Yeah. It, it is a very, it's very easy to. To think that and say, you know, I get where you're coming from, but the way that you're going about it is in, entirely wrong. And, you know, I mean, again, right, we go back to the basics of the two factions here. One is we want peace through free will to let people do what they choose. 
it may not be the most peaceful way because nature just happens. And then you have the other side that says, yeah, but if we can control everybody and make them be better people, then you're not going to have any problems. And, you know, again, it just it's a very good moral quandary. And that's what I like about good storytelling is when, you know, the best bad guys to me are the ones that I can understand their point of view. Yeah. You know, you get, you know, you take somebody like Hans Gruber from the Die Hard movie, right? This is a guy who all he wants to do is he just wants to steal a bunch of money and he makes this big old elaborate plan, get brings all these people in and he he sets up this scheme. Yes, he's killing people as he goes, but he's just a thief. He's just trying to steal some money. And that is a thing I understand and I think it's, you know, he's one of the mm-hmm. You know, because again, right? Like he doesn't kill unnecessarily. Yeah. But he still kills. Yeah. So it's 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 always going to be that moral argument. Yeah. Right? Like, is it okay for a starving child to steal bread? Yeah, exactly. You know, like it, it's there's always that that ethical discussion in there of mm-hmm. like, hey, well, is it black or white or is there those shades of gray? Yeah. You know what I mean? But so through this, right, let, let's digressing a little bit like yeah. we always do, which I feel like is part of what makes this fun. Um, he goes through and he kills his eight of them right before he gets to the Grandmaster. And then you assassinate the Grandmaster, which his name is Robert D. Sibyl. Sabla? Sable. Okay. The Grandmaster of the Templars, um, which if you haven't realized, they are the enemy of the Brotherhood, right? And mm. like... Again, it's a video game and it's introducing you to the world. It always bothered me that like he was like, Who the fuck are the Templars? <laughs> so he gets he gets the mission for that, right? And you go through and you basically discover he's gonna be at a funeral, right? Mm-hmm. In Jerusalem. So during the attempt of that assassination, Altair discovers that another assassin named Maria, which I always kind of felt like he had this little love connection with when he was in the Brotherhood. Like, I, I, I don't know if you ever actually walked around or if you just hopped on your horse and went straight for the mission every time. But if you walk around, you talk to these guys yeah. as you're walking around. And, like, Maria was one of them that you were talking to. And she disguised herself as an assassin, but she's actually just a young Templar agent, right? Mm-hmm. She did it to basically get information for Robert, right? Yeah. Well, once Altair figures that out, she finds out that she was there to basically buy Robert enough time to negotiate an alliance between the two wars that are the, the yeah, the two nations that are warring during this third crusade, which I know the crusaders are one of them. Mm-hmm. The other ones, I I can't remember. But he wanted to negotiate an alliance between him, the Crusaders, and this this third one, right, to go against the assassins. Well, he like spares her life and then catches up to Robert at King Richard's camp, which mm-hmm. King Richard the First, again another historical figure, the King of England from eleven eighty nine, also known as the Duke of Normandy, which I have no idea. But he he catches with him at the at King Richard's camp and 
exposes him. Basically says, hey, look, this is what this dude's been doing. Yeah. This is who he's been in charge of, and this is everything that they've done, right? Well, unsure, like King Richard not knowing, well, do do I believe Robert or this complete stranger that just ran into my camp like a crazy person? <laughs> he suggests a duel. And, like, I remember it because you have all the knights yeah. surrounding Yeah, you. you're in, like, a pit. Yeah. and um, Or a circle, I should say. It, it basically, it's, he remarks that God will decide the victor, mm-hmm. right? Basically, like, so whichever one of you dies is the one that was lying. Yeah. Like, which, <laughs> which makes sense for, again, for the time period. Uh, what, yeah, we I was like, about. that is not an uncommon <laughs> thing. You know, of course, you're designed to win the fight. If you lose, it's, oh, no, you desynchronized. Yeah. <laughs> But as you give Robert a mortal wound, he confesses that he wasn't the only one. It wasn't It wasn't just him. Mm-hmm. And this is where the twist is, right? Yeah. The guy that stabbed you and, and is, is your mentor and your leader and, like, the leader of the assassin order at this time period and who has been giving you all these missions. Ah, oh, God, what was his name? Al-Mualim. Al. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Al for short. Yeah, right. He sought after the apple as well, right? Right. And basically betrayed the Brotherhood. Which is, is as far as ser- uh, storytelling goes, I mean, it makes sense, right? A lot of times you have the mentor. I am your father. Yeah. I was say, a lot of times, you know, your mentor is lying to you or is on the other side. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you probably could have, you probably could have had a pool about what was going to happen to this old man of the mountain that was teaching you was he going to turn evil was he going to die was he going to shove you off the mountain yeah (laughs) yeah was he never going to let you back in some way shape or form he was going to betray you and in my mind he already did like once you find that out in the story i was like holy fuck it all makes sense (laughs) he's literally set you up into positions where the odds were against you you didn't have a lot of equipment the odds had always been against Mm -hmm. you type deal and just because you succeeded, it was kind of like, eh, well, you know, no skin off my teeth. That's one less thing I have to worry about. Exactly. So he just kept sending you on these missions. Because I always found it odd that no matter how stealthy you assassinated these guys, always ended up getting chased by the guards. Mm-hmm. Always. It was kind of like, how? Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, right. And it was, to me, when that reveal happened, it was like, well, it would make sense if he was tipping off the guards. Well, Which, why wouldn't he? He's well, sending out all these fucking carrier pigeons. Yeah, he it's, like it, he's in he's in, right. I mean, this this man in the mountain is the in the perfect position, right? He wants the pieces of Eden. He's sending you out to get them. Either yeah. you go and get the information and locate it for him, or you go and die. And he has a whole legion of people that he can just send, send somebody out. else out. Yeah, yeah and, like, and that was it. Well, as soon as like basically Robert then dies, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. you're free to leave. King Richard's like. All right, deuces. God decided you were right, man. Thank God you you saved me a world of heartache. Not really, but um, so you leave and you you go back to the Assassin Brotherhood, right? Mm-hmm. And the, this is where my memory gets a little dicey because I just remember walking up, confronting him, and then stabbing him with your hidden blade, which. We haven't discussed in the game. That is, yeah, we haven't. That is armaments. your main weapon, and I always found it was interesting because they wear it on their left arm, right? Mm-hmm. And they had to sacrifice the ring finger on their left hand, right? Yep. Yeah, in order for the blade to like work, 
it was des- it's it the way the game does it is it's designed so that when your hand is in a fist, the blade goes through where your ring finger would be, which is why they remove it. Yeah. So that way you can punch and have the blade sticking out to do these, you know, stabbing motions. But it never like I when you see the animations, right? He always like I call it Spider-Man wrist sick, right? Pretty much, yeah. It's and like good, when good. he does that, when he like throws his wrist back, that blade ain't coming anywhere near that finger. Yeah. Like I, it doesn't make sense. It it could it could be something along the lines of you know a sacrifice, right? This is you um, giving yourself all to the Assassin Brotherhood. You may not well, have, but back then I, I think it really was, and and. More to the point, you find it out later because it wasn't always a perfect thing. You're you're absolutely right. Like if I go to punch, and the blade comes out, it's gone. Mm-hmm. And when you lose that in the heat of battle, like you might be able to go for a little while longer, and then you're gonna be like, "Oh fuck, my hand hurts!" <laughs> like, like, oh, look at all that blood. Wait, there was a finger there. Yeah. Where where's put it on ice? Why is put my, it on ice? Why is my finger near my wrist on the tip of my hidden blade? Yeah. Right. And you stab him. Mm-hmm. You kill him with the hidden blade. And I'm like, oh crap, now he's like, now he's an outcast. But no, he actually becomes the leader. The leader. And and there is there is like a fight sequence, I remember because he, Is there? I yeah. couldn't remember if there was a fight sequence. He's, yeah, he uses it. He casts, I'm pretty sure he casts some illusions and stuff like, because every, that's the other thing. All the assassins there, they're all mind controlled now at this point. And when because you- Because he had the- Because he's got- He had the apple. Yeah, and so he's so yeah, so the man of the mountain has the apple, he's controlling all the other assassins. Um and yeah, you show up. There is a battle, you know, a fight sequence that you do, but then yeah, eventually you do end up Yeah, and there's him, so. that that was always a part of it, right? So he has the apple, mm-hmm. but it has no effect on you. And and that is something that do, again does get explained later on in the games, but I remember at the time period of first playing it being like Man, this is weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, why doesn't he just go, boop, yeah. now you're a zombie too. <laughs> I don't remember if they even call it out about like, oh, why doesn't this work on you? I can't remember. No, 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 he doesn't. There is it, nothing? It just, no, you just have this fight sequence in the first game. I want to say in the next couple too. In the first game, I I don't ever remember them ever stating, what a dick. You, This didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. Why are you not succumbing to this? You're supposed to. Mm-hmm. It totally just no. And and yeah, you fight him, you kill him, free everybody, and then you have the apple. Yeah, you find a map leading to other pieces of it. Yeah, it, it the whole globe. Which at that period of time, like I I remember watching that and thinking like. Dude, his mind must have been, like, fucking blown. Right. Because, mind you, his world is only that, like, little group of fucking cities that he's been into. Mm -hmm. That little, you know, that little section of it. That's that's the entire world for him at that time period. He knows there's a little bit more stuff beyond it. But to see literally the whole globe. Yeah. He's just kind of like, what the fuck? And, And on top of it, how would he read it? Like, well, how would he know where to well, go? I was going to say, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, just just imagine, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure at this point, probably still thought the world was flat. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. So, yeah, he, he sees all the points and everything, and then the credits roll. No. You wake up as Desmond. Mm-hmm. Which, now we're going to talk about Desmond, right? 
So again, he's a bartender from New York, gets kidnapped. He knows exactly what's happening because he he's very much like Altair, right? Mm -hmm. Born into the Brotherhood and raised in the Brotherhood, but he didn't believe in the Brotherhood. That's the feeling that I got. Yeah, he didn't didn't want to be a part of it. He didn't want to do any of that. So yeah, you you get kidnapped and you get thrown in. Mm-hmm. I don't remember much about Desmond's time outside of it. Like I remember because you have eagle vision. I was gonna say we should move on to maybe some of the space abilities and weaponry and stuff. Yeah, the characteristics of the character, right? So again, yeah. right, armament. So you have your hidden blade. Yep. Right, which is used for assassinating. You have your short sword. You have your sword, and you have throwing knives. They were gonna do a crossbow because it's in the trailer, but then they decided that those mechanics weren't working or something i remember so they switched to throwing star or throwing knives yep and then you have a dagger you have like a sword and a dagger throwing yeah yeah, because you have a short sword it's a short sword yeah by the way um yes it's a short sword there is a difference yes there's a difference well okay for all you medieval fans (laughs) but here's the this bugged me because it is it's a short sword and a dagger Mm. and there's a reason for that because they weren't, they were easier to conceal. Absolutely, yeah. Right? Yeah. Because even during that period of time, unless if you were a part of the militia and the army, you weren't allowed to carry a weapon. So, like, all of these things that are on him, even the, the throwing knives, are all designed to be concealed and make it look like they are a part of something else. Well, and even your the robes that you use are very similar to the robes used by priests at the time. Yep. Because that's another one of the mechanics. You can hide in groups of priests. Yep. So yeah, everything is designed again with that that idea of need to be invisible. Invisible in the world while I'm out here doing all my assassiny stuff. Going back to the eagle vision, yeah, that's a thing that you can do like a special power. It's I don't remember it being specifically called out. It was just you can sense the intentions of people. Right, yell because people. Oh, it showed no- you the yellow lines of where they were going to go. Normal or everyday where they pe- went or yeah, whatever. Normal everyday people were gray. People of interest were yellow, and then people who had hostile intentions were red. Yeah. Like that's how I remember it. Well, I, I I remember that, but I also I think that was more of like to me the way I interpreted it was mm. that's who you're focusing on. Yeah. So like the people who were red weren't necessarily hostile intent, but your targets. Yeah. They were the people you were going to kill. The people who were yellow were like the people that you were following for the eavesdrop missions and stuff like Pickpocketing. that. Pickpocketing. Yeah. You were you were interested in them, but they weren't necessarily your mark. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I interpreted it was this vision basically allowed you to narrow in on one spe- particular thing and basically block out the rest of the world. And it gave you this extra perception yeah. type deal. In a gameplay sense, it really, really was just you look at a crowd of people, push this button, and now you can see who you need to be paying attention to yeah. to do your thing. Which definitely which is, helps, yeah. but they they adapted it into the storyline right, as well, which, which is great. Is what I love. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? Everything has a place and a reason. Yeah. You know, you have your throwing knives to deal with guys on rooftops far away that you can't get to stealthily. You have your sword if you get into combat. You have your knife if you need to deal with somebody really quickly because the knife was a quicker weapon, yeah. but it wasn't good at groups of people. 
and it wasn't it wasn't your assassin weapon right and then you have your assassin weapon which is you know pretty much what you use the the eagle vision speaking of assassin techniques um the eagle vision also highlighted hail or hay bales hail hail Hail. hay bales (laughs) um it highlighted hay bales Mm mm-hmm for when you needed to hide or if you were running away or whatever. Well, it highlighted all the hidey spots. Because yeah. it wasn't just hay bales. There were also, like, um, I remember those, like, little cubbies with, like, the, the drapes. Yeah. The, that you could jump into the on, middle on of. The and like Yeah, and yeah. just, like, sit there yep. and wait. And wait. Yeah. And wait. And wait. And wait. <laughs> it didn't take too long, but it was pretty long. Dude, there were some of them where I, I remember, feel. like, give yeah, up go, already. Go away. Yeah, because that was the thing. After you assassinated mm. them, you had to run, hide, and wait for the guards to give up. And then you could jump out, hop on your horse, and ride back to the yeah. thing. Which, um, you had a horse. Yep. But you only had a horse to ride from the town to the Brotherhood hideout yeah. back to the town. Like, it wasn't an, a thing of, well, I can use it to ride around and do combat, and I can ride around in town. No, and... because even if you... even. In between towns, when you were riding around, if you were riding too fast, guards would freak out. Mm-hmm. Some weird, you know, oh, that guy's in a hurry. He must be up to no good kind of thing, which that part never made sense to me. It like, never made sense to me Like, either. why do I have to walk? But to an to a certain extent, though, it kind of does, right? Like, it, why would you be rushing? Right. It makes sense in a real world, but not in a video game. And when you have that <laughs> much distance to cover, why can't I oh, ride my horse yeah. without being... Because it was. It was a great it was, distance it was in between. Of, yeah, yeah. Th- it felt like a lot of t- distance. It did. Well, because all you were doing was walking. <laughs> true. Um, but yeah, but so part of... So now we're going to... Okay, now we're going back into Desmond's thing. Yeah. Part of the side effects of going into the Animus is something that they call the bleeding effect, where you as the... Desmond as the human, Altair as the past ancestor, Desmond would start to see things that were, were from ha- his history. That were from his history when he wasn't even in the Animus. He'd be in a room by himself, and then he would see a faint ghost outline of Altair walking down a hallway or something. Or like or you were one saying, of the other brother or assassins or like these ghosts of the historical past. event, yeah, uh, like historical things happening. Mm-hmm. But it also had the bleed over effect of he was learning certain things. Yeah. Which I think is why I thought that maybe he wasn't a full-fledged assassin. Yeah. Because I don't think he was. I don't think mm. he learned how to fight. Nope. I don't think he learned how to be an assassin. I just think he was born into that world and basically went, F you, I'm not learning this shit. Yeah. And ran away. No, and it's one of the things I like about Assassin's Creed 2 is that idea that that concept of yeah he was a nobody didn't know what was going on but by being able to do this right because you know you think of it this way he's gone into the memory of somebody who's been an assassin their whole life yeah you know and he's just reliving those memories the second one they have a really cool concept of let's teach you through somebody who was being taught to be an assassin I thought it was great and we'll get to that in that podcast yeah no Um, well but you even see some of that effect here exactly some of the things that Altair did and some of the moves that Altair has and stuff like that, that bleed over effect, that bleeding effect is happening. And they actually make the, the Templars make comments about it because of course they're, they're watching him the entire time. Right. Mm -hmm. But you, I do remember like you find out you weren't the only one you weren't, you're not the first that they've done this to. 
it really does start messing with your mind. And because of that fact that it's messing with your mind, you start seeing more and more why the, the, the assassins do what they do against the Templars, right? Mm -hmm. Because you start really realizing like a lot of the fucked up shit the Templars have done and still do, right? Like, who the fuck kidnaps a random man off the street just to fucking hijack his memory genes? Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, I remember that aspect. But the big part that I remember is he was in his cell, and you hit the eagle vision, and literally, like, the walls light up yep. with all of this fucking writing. And Do you remember who those came from? No, I don't. That's the problem. Because <laughs> you, you mentioned at it that you learn that Desmond isn't the first one they've done yeah. this to. It's good old Subject 16. That's right. Yep. You don't ever find out his name. You just find out he's he's called Subject 16. Yeah. And that dude's fucking crazy. Yep. Fucking crazy. Because part of the bleeding effect is that some people lose their minds. Well, and now that you bring that up, of course, you know, triggers memories. Of course. Right? Because they're in my genes. Synapses fine. Um, (laughs) He is a ghost in the machine. You're right. He is a ghost in the machine. Like, the bleed over effect works both ways almost. Like, he's residually in the animus. Yeah. Well, and even because there are some things that you're seeing, right, Mm -hmm. that don't make sense, but that's because they're from Subject 16. Yeah. That's why. Like, because I'm like, it wasn't just Altair shit that you saw. Like, you saw some pretty, some other pretty, like, weird ghost shit. Yeah. Like, haunted hospital ghost thing, right? right? Like, it was creepy because you saw Subject 16 stuff, but even his stuff started to make sense to you, and you started to realize, like, hey... Maybe the assassins weren't wrong. Maybe I was wrong by running away from them. Mm -hmm. And I need to join up with them. But in the meantime, you meet this girl named Lucy Stillman, right? Lucy Stillman. Yep, she's been the assistant the whole time. She's You have a couple of moments when you're out of the animus because, yeah, like, you'll go and you'll... And she's, like, very caring. Yeah, you go and you'll do a a couple of targeted missions, which, again, are my favorite part. Um, You do those, then it breaks out, you get out of the animus, you have these little interactions with the doctor and with Lucy and stuff. And, again, yeah, you kind of go into your room and see some weird shit, but anyway. Well, because, like, your interaction, it's very different. Right. Mm -hmm. Your interactions with the doctor, if I remember, are like, he's trying to be like, oh, but we're sweet people here, but it's fucking creepy. Like, you know, no, you're not. Yeah. You're you're just pretending to be sweet to use me. Yeah. He's very stern. You ain't taking my virginity. Yeah. You ain't that man. Yeah. Yeah. It's very (laughs) stern is what I remember him being. And but he like, but at the same time, he was kind of trying to convince you like, this is a safe place. Yeah. You're you're free to do what you want here. Well, then let me out of myself. Well, not... Yeah, we can't. Not entirely Yeah, we gotta get this thing first. Yeah, we... we, You know, there's a couple of... You gotta prove some stuff to Mm -hmm. us first. And then you earn these privileges, right? Yeah. But Lucy, on the other hand, she was always super nice. She really didn't seem to agree with the way you were being treated. Mm -hmm. and, And what was going on. And everything like that. And so, like, you do make a couple more connections with her than you do, of course, with the doctor. The doctor, you're basically like, fuck you. Yeah. Where Lucy, you're like, look, I I just want to go home. I just want to go back to my bar. I like, I, I just want to leave here. And she's like, I want that too. You just need to give us this. Work with us, please. 
you willingly go into this thing, the sooner you get out of here, mm-hmm. basically. That's actually when you start to go into it willingly, if I remember. Like, you start to, like, being like, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. You know? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're you're not letting them know your full thought process. Because, of course, it does the whole thing of, like, you're talking to yourself, right? Yeah. But they can't hear you talking to yourself. <laughs> like, those are the things that I remember. But, of course, as soon as that happens... Because, you know, it shows Altair with the Animus. Mm-hmm. Or with the, the in the Animus with the Apple of Eden. And he has it. And he puts it into a location inside of the Brotherhood's, like, vault. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. And you pop out and the Doctor's like, holy crap, it's right here. Send everybody right now. Stick his ass back in the cell. Yep. And you kind of get rushed off into the cell. And I can't remember if that's when you start to break out and the game ends or if it that's where the game ends no because you because you are in your room uh-huh. and then you come out of your room lucy comes in yeah she's talking to you and you look down at her hand and she's missing her ring finger on her left hand and then she's like follow me out of here yeah and then if i remember you leave yeah and then the game ends okay because the next one... That's where it picks up. ...starts yeah. getting to a safe house. And that's that's what I couldn't remember. Yeah. But, yeah, and that's... The credits roll, and you're just like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And you know nothing. But, like, they set it up perfectly for a second game. I was kind of like, at that point in time, you know, getting to the after effects of it, I was kind of like, meh, if they make a second one, okay, you know, I'll... I'm a little curious as to what's going on with Desmond at this point, right? Like, right. by that point, I had become curious about Desmond. But otherwise, meh. <laughs> like, I could have taken it or left it, you know? Yeah. Because I didn't have a real lot of fun with the con- constant, go here, do this, do this, do this, kill mm-hmm. this person, go here, do this, do this, do this, kill this person. I was kind of like, dude, one of the first games that did not abide by the rule of three. Right. They could have. Stopped at three. <laughs> like, in my mind, they really could have. And, like, maybe done something else, but it... Yeah. So, like, I didn't care if they made another one or not at yeah. that current point in time. Because it was kind of like... <sighs> but all of my friends were like, dude, this game was fucking amazing. This was the best game ever. And I'm like, really? <laughs> was it? No. And I understand. You know, I definitely don't think it's the greatest game ever. I think it's a good game. But yeah. I still stand by... The side mission stuff, yes, very boring and repetitive and not not that fun to do. It was the main part. Those were the points that I looked forward to. That is what pushed me was I now get to go to – there are two that stand out in my mind. One is the guy at the party mm-hmm. because you're in this big square courtyard with an I, open I roof. Remember, yeah. You can climb up to the second story, run around, kill a couple archers. Climb up, jump up on the roof, run around. The, the, the guy, your target comes out onto this balcony and is talking to everybody. And you drop down behind him and you shank him. And I was like, that is awesome. In front of everybody. In front of everybody. And then the other one is the one where the guy is hanging the people. And one of them is an assassin. Now, you can either try to get to the guy before he hangs anybody. But you have to get to him before he hangs the last person because they're an assassin. And that one is in this big like horseshoe and... The ga- or not the gallows. Yeah, because they they did a thing in it where you 
like you couldn't go beyond the bounds of certain things. Like you had to stay within the mission parameters and yeah. you would hit like this it's, it was computerized a, wall yeah, that, that stopped that, you. That kept you in that arena kind of thing. Yeah. But on that one, you know, it's, and that's what I loved about it. Those were the moments I loved and they never showed up again. Hmm. Nothing like that ever showed up again, in my opinion. Even in the other games, the the side missions, the building towards getting the information I, I for your you're, target. I see what you're saying. Those changed, and those changed in great ways in the following games. And some. Well, I mean... It, some. It was still monotonous. They still yeah. had only so many different things. The world may have been bigger, and you may have been able to explore this, that, and that openly. But it was still basically like, oh, hey, you're going to go and do this. And then you're going to go and do this. Yep. And then you're going to go and do this. And like, but in those ones, you didn't have to do the side missions. Yeah. And I felt like it flowed more naturally. Yeah. That's, that's the clarification is that in the, for, in this one, I felt like it was very clunky and didn't, it just didn't feel. And I, I mean, I understand it, right? You're gathering intel on these people, but it just didn't feel like it flowed very well. Yeah. And I think it's because like you were saying, there are different ways to do it in other games that have come out and they only just ever use the same three ways. Like that was the problem was that repetition, but those big arenas when you're killing your main target, that's what I wish they would have continued. And I just felt like they didn't. Uh, you see, but I, I disagree in that fact and I'll, I'll point them out in the future podcasts when we get to those, those points, right? Mm-hmm. Because I distinctly remember in some of the other games, especially some of the ones to come up, like, hell, the Ezio trilogy, which is basically what we're going to be talking about next, mm-hmm. right? You still had that. It was just, it was it was slightly different in the sense of the way you went about it, right? But you still, you still had to assess your target. You still had to monitor him. You still had to plan the perfect time to assassinate him. Or you could just straight up be like, fuck you and right. jump on just him at it. any point and draw as much attention and then you would kill him and go through your death speech and then you would be surrounded by guards mm. and have to fight your way out right like but i still felt like you had that now i will say in the more recent games i feel like that has gone away like i like in odyssey which mm-hmm. is the, the most recent game that is released to date right Mm -hmm. valhalla which is the next one that hasn't been released as time of recording i don't feel like you had the same thing right right kind of but not to that extent not to that degree and i I will give you that because it was it was definitely a lot more of oh well there's that guy here's my bow you pink oh he's dead i'm gonna run away now yeah, like they didn't make it a spectacle. I just dis- I distinctly remember one of my main targets in Assassin's Creed 2 was walking down the street and it was scripted that I walk up to him and then he runs away and I have to chase him down. And yeah. to me that's not that's not good assassinating. <laughs> if I if I can use that. I don't, I don't remember. No, a I, scripted kill like I that. distinctly remember there's no other way to do it. You are walking down the street and this guy approaches and he runs away and you just have to chase him down. Now, I I do remember that like in Assassin's Creed 3 there's one like that and maybe it wasn't directly to but maybe Brotherhood of Revelation. I was just, it was, I, I, you think it was, it was I'm 100% positive because it was that moment that I was like, I remember thinking to myself, 
man, I missed the targeted assassinations in the first one. Yeah. Like, I was so excited like for this, two. Like, this is super scripted. Yeah, I just was like, this isn't assassinating. Like, I went through all that trouble to get all this information on this guy, and now I'm just running down the street after him. Like, that to me was the was where part of the downfall, not the downfall of the series, but the de- like the thing I loved about the first one yeah. never showed up again. Yeah. You know? And... and- I think it did. Mm-hmm. I think it did, just in a slightly different way, but it wasn't a constant. Yeah. Right? But granted, in the later games, you didn't just have nine targets. No, that's true. I think a lot of what you were doing in this first game, it was kind of them going, this is a huge gamble, and this is a huge experiment. So um, let's see what we can do. Yeah. Planning that out. That was a huge part of it, where in the future games, they were kind of like, well, we have a lot of story to cover, and we want you to do a lot of things, because there's a lot of mystery and information and all this other crap that we want to basically huck at you Yeah, that we find is far more interesting, so we're going to... We're going to take away a little bit from the, you know, 30-minute planning your assassination that we had in the first game, which you could do 30 minutes, legit. I remember spending half an hour observing this one guy, tracking his pattern to figure out this is the perfect spot this to assassinate. This is the perfect part to get him, yeah. And, like, that's a lot. That is a really long time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially since the, the later games are so fast-paced. Yeah. To then just like plan 30 minutes to assassinate this target. I'd have been like, <laughs> no, <laughs> this is going to be an all out brawl every fucking time. I did feel like I could still have time to plan my assassination and plot it out and kind of figure out, but it, it went by a lot faster. So it was like, oh, here, run up ahead of him, jump in this hay bale as he comes walking by. I go, wink. And I rip him into the hay bale and stab his ass. Yeah. You know, or leap out of the hay bale and stab his ass. Or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And it just happened a lot quicker. Where in that one, you you really did. It was almost Hitman-esque, yeah. right? Yes. Like, in the sense of, you had to plot out it. And if, if that's what you liked, play Hitman. No, yeah, that's... Like, that's... They, they're still making them, right? And they're still that way. Like, I love the Hitman games. I really do. And that, that's it. I'll spend two hours on one mission planning out the perfect assassination of this one target. Because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. You know? Where this one, there was more to it than just the assassination. Right. Where in the first game, though, there was somewhat more to it than just yeah. the assassination. So I could see how they would spend more time on it. Where in the later games, not so much. And even then, because of that, like, at the time, I didn't like Hitman. Mm-hmm. I played Blood Money. For, even to this day, for a lot of people, that's the Hitman game. Yeah. And God, I just get so bored with it. Like, I'd be planning it out and everything, and I would try this one way, and then I'd lose. So then I'd have to start all over again and, like, try and plan it out. And then eventually I was like, you know what? Fuck this. Pull out my assault rifle and just start fucking mowing down <laughs> everybody. You know? Right. This endless stream of guards coming at me. And I'm like, ah, say hello to my little friend. Just as I mow down guard after guard after guard after guard after guard. So, like, that aspect to me, I was okay with losing a good chunk of it yeah. in these type of games. I just wasn't impressed overall with the game. Mm-hmm. And in, in general, right, it got generally good reviews. Not like 9, 10 out of 10s and, and stuff like that. It was, they were 
high average, high mids. PSM, Games Radar, Game Informer, GameSpot, you know, those are all 9.5 out of 10, 9 out of 10, 5 stars, 5 stars. Eurogamer, 1-up, IGN, 7, 7, 7.5, respectively. So it was... Yeah, it was kind of diverse. You know, Metacritic has them listed at 79 to 81, so not a huge point spread out of 100. You and know, that's, it's, that's, I would say, high average. Yeah. I, I, I Honestly, like, okay, you know, Game Informer, GameSpot, uh, what was what was the other one? Uh, Radar and Games PMSM. Radar and PSM. Yeah, they're good. They're good. Good reviews and everything like that. At the same time, I think they do tend to take in like, well, here's this developer. Mm -hmm. They came out with this. 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 Like it's fucking amazing. Just off of their history alone. It's gotta be amazing. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but was it, you know, where I, I do feel like one up, which was one that I read for a really long time because it was free and it was online. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry, it, it, like, Game Informer didn't come online until... 2012? 2013? It, 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 like, I at least I didn't discover it until then. Maybe it was online before then, and but and if it was, it was... I didn't have that GameStop subscription mm-hmm. type deal, you know? So I wasn't getting it. So I read one up, and they were, they were like, we don't give a fuck if this came from Ubisoft. <laughs> this is how the game was. And during it, there were several times where I ended up having to take caffeine pills to uh, not fall asleep and keep my eyes on this target as it walked around. You know, not not exactly like, sorry, let's not. That's not a direct quote. That was basically (laughs) the feeling that I got because it was just kind of it was good. The overall story arc of it was good. Yeah. And to me, that was the only thing that saved this game. If you had to rely solely on the gameplay alone, you literally, out of the three, four aspects that were in this game, you liked one. No, and I do have to admit, what is the the loop is too big, right? I know we've talked about game loops before, where every 30 seconds or so was you know that's the thing that kind of drives everything. And this the game loop was so big of go and gather information and then stealthily go and kill somebody. It was just too much. And you're right. I thought the story was good. Graphics were okay. Controls were fine. The the fighting the fighting mechanics fighting, in it yeah. were were good. Yeah. Good for its time yeah, period fighting and was, everything. Yeah, fighting was fun. It, again, you know, you look at these you look at all these little elements and they all seem very basic, but when you're assassinating those main targets, those are the thing that's the thing that stuck with me. Yeah. You know. So when you put it all together, yeah, it's, you know, I mean, I thought it was a good game. It's not going to change anybody's, you know, religion, pun intended. I would say if you liked semi-open world games, if you were interested in playing something that you could do, because you, you brought up Hitman before, and I remember trying Hitman and feeling like when I screwed up the stealth, I didn't really have any options. You know, like if I you didn't, it was it was either die or kill everybody. Yeah, and I was like, okay, you know, I don't really feel like I have mobility of being able to fight a little bit, run away, try to hide. If I can't hide, well, fight a little more, run away again. And that's repeat. why I brought up like yeah. the fact that even at the time, I didn't care for the Hitman games because it was if you failed, it was start the whole thing over again. Yeah, start the whole mission over again. Where in this, it, it you did have the 
Fuck. Yeah. Run. Run. Hide. <laughs> run. Okay. Run. 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 I can hide. fix this. I can fix this. I can fix this. <laughs> I, I got this. I, got, I can do this. <laughs> you know. So again. And, but even to that extent, I was kind of like, well, game. Because that's unrealistic. Right. Right. The guy's not going to go back to his party when they were like, what? There was an assassination attempt on my life? No, I can't leave my guests. I'm yeah. going to continue walking around in the same square. No. It was a fun game. Yeah. It just, as I said, if if a second one came out, great. If it didn't, great. I didn't care one way or the other mm-hmm. when it ended. From what I'm kind of getting, you did. I remember when I heard that Assassin's Creed 2 was coming out, I was super stoked. I was ready for more. Okay, so I was stoked too, but I was stoked for a different reason. Yeah. Not because it was an Assassin's Creed game, but because of when it took place. Yeah. So like this one takes place in 1191 AD, mm-hmm. right? That's when the Third Crusade took place, or during the Third Crusade, I should say, for those of you who aren't nerds in history. And that's cool and all, but again, technology was limited, abilities were limited, the the color scheme of the game was very tan and light brown <laughs> and kind of monotonous. And that's what I meant by like the whole game mm-hmm. felt that way. You know? Yeah. Like there was color, don't get me wrong. Like you had the drapes and the rugs and the, like all these these vibrant colors that just there wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. For me, who has ADHD and went, ooh, shiny squirrel. Yeah. Shiny, shiny squirrel. <laughs> I was just like, ooh, that looks like a dead squirrel. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is not fun. But the next game takes place during the Renaissance, which fucking amazing. <laughs> and that's what I remember about the launch. And we'll, we'll, as, yeah, we'll talk more about that in the next one. Um, for me, that's, that's all I've got on this one. Yeah. I was going to say, um, you know, yeah, pretty much. I mean, if you've played it, you know, you got your own feelings and thoughts on it. If you've been, we would love to hear them. Yeah. Like feel more than welcome to comment on this. Like we will, we would love to know it. Cause that's the whole point of this is that open free discussion and debate about video games. Mm hmm. And it doesn't just mean between me and you. I feel like it. No. And I'm sure you guys do. And I would, I would, I'm more than interested to read what you guys have to say. Yeah, we, it's that open, civil, friendly conversation, discussion, even in a debate if you need to, right? What are your thoughts? What are your feelings? And, you know, just bounce some ideas back and forth again, right? Just kind of being, oh, well, this is how I perceived this. That's how you perceived it. But let me ask you this, right? How about this? That's no, just, you're wrong. That's just kind of the idea. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. You don't, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, I, yeah. can't, I can't believe we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, and it, the game was great. Everything like that. I really hope that you guys enjoyed it. As we said... This is going to be the first of our first time doing a series of games, and we decided to do it on Assassin's Creed, given that Assassin's Creed Valhalla is just around the corner. I know, speaking of that a little bit, I I do look forward to that game coming out. I like the Vikings, (laughs) like, and that's that that was part of the thing that always kind of kept me going with this is the time periods that they chose and the the events that they decided to have going on. Mm -hmm. I was like, come on. (laughs) Like, that's awesome. You know, and they they did really, really good on that. And I think that's part of the reason why the franchise has lasted 
as long as it has. Yeah, I too feel that they had a really great idea about just going through the different time periods. And I look forward to talking about the others. You know, with Valhalla, I'm not a huge fan of Viking mythology and history and stuff. But you know what? Ooh, that... when we get to Odyssey, we'll talk about mythology and how <laughs> it should not be a part of the Assassin's Creed games. Well, we could probably do do it with Origins. That was when I first really noticed it. Uh... Really? Really? Okay. I'm pretty so, sure like, there's no torso have... of Anubis in the desert in Egypt. <laughs> you have you been in the desert of Egypt? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But until then, I'm Caleb. I'm Chris. Game, Game on. on. Thanks for listening to Game On, presented by No Tokens Required. The opinions expressed in this discussion are those of the hosts and may not reflect the opinion of No Tokens Required. No Tokens Required is not affiliated with the electronic entertainment discussed in this podcast. The properties mentioned in this podcast are the intellectual properties of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. Game On is an exclusive podcast of No Tokens Required created in 2020. No part of this podcast may be used in any way without written authorization from No Tokens Required.